Welcome to Hope Sabbath School, an in-depth, interactive study of the Word of God. I'm excited today because we're continuing our study on God's mission, my mission, joining God in His work, revealing His love to a hurting world, and sharing the joy of eternity even today through Jesus our Lord. We're glad you joined us. We're going to talk today about the motivation and preparation for mission. So welcome to Hope Sabbath School and welcome to the team. Good to see you. You look great today, look like the world, and I'm excited that you're here and especially, John, that you're going to be leading the class. You know, we get emails from around the world saying, thanks for the team teachers. And there's a specific reason. We'd like to see 10,000 of you around the world leading in-depth interactive studies of the Word of God. We're also glad because of technology to have some team members remotely. Sabina, good to see you again. Always glad to have you. Leah, great to have you on the team today. And Hope, good to have you with us today. We're, we're looking forward to the study, John, and I know God's going to bless. I want to thank you for writing to us at sshope at hopetv.org. You say, Derek, you don't need me to write, but actually we do because it brings us encouragement, doesn't it? as we hear what God is doing through a study of His Word. sshope at hopetv.org is our address. Emma, thanks for writing from Georgia in the United States of America. Hello, Hope Sabbath School. I think they know they'll get a wave if they start with that comment, right? I appreciate all of you who share your experiences. So not just the reading of the Bible, but sharing your experience on the program. Your cooperative efforts to share the Bible and the teachings are inspired by the Holy Spirit. Amen. Oh, amen. Praise God. I try to listen to Hope Sabbath School every Friday evening, praying for continued blessings on you all. Well, Emma, thanks for writing to us from Georgia, here in the United States of America. We're glad you're part of our Hope Sabbath School family. Here is a note from YouTube. You know, our YouTube channel is almost at 100,000 now. Amen. Wow. Amen. That's 100,000 people. No, it's 100,000 groups. Maybe one or two, or maybe five. I remember one saying, we're watching from Kangaroo Island. Like, could you guess where Kangaroo Island is? Australia. Australia, good guess. <laughs> Twelve of us watching. So just imagine, wow. just imagine, YouTube, Pat writes and says, Hi, Hope Sabbath School family. Hello. It's so nice to see different members of the team conducting the interactive studies. Well, Pat, today, John's going to be leading our study, and that's, that's part of sharing together, isn't it? Mm -hmm. This, this, Pat writes, is how the Bible studies used to be back in the days when I became a follower of Jesus 30 years ago. Thanks to the team for sharing your stories of forgiveness and the awesome power of God. Amen. All praise, honor, and glory to God for using Hope Sabbath School to educate, inspire, and bless. God be praised. Amen. Amen. Pat, we'd like to meet you. <laughs> Sounds like someone that really believes in the power of God, right? Amen. And we're glad you're watching Hope Sabbath School on our YouTube channel. If you are a YouTuber, by the way, you can go to YouTube and you can subscribe to our Hope Sabbath School channel. Here's a note from a donor in New York. 
Now, some people, when you say New York, think New York City, but there's also a state of New York, right? New York State, the person writes and says, Greetings in the name of our soon coming King Jesus. Amen. Want to meet this person, too. <laughs> this is just a small token of appreciation for the good work that God is doing through the team. Mm -hmm. May God continue to bless you richly. Let us be faithful until Jesus comes. Amen. And a donation of $200 Amen. to support the ministry. Thank you, New York State. <laughs> you know who you are. You know we don't read names, but we want to say thank you because you're part of the miracle. Mm -hmm. And I want to thank each one of you. Maybe you're thinking and saying, I, I think God wants me to help too. You can write to us. The address is on our website. Or you can just go and click on that donate button, mm -hmm. hopetv.org slash hopess. That makes a difference. In fact, these emails, especially from parts of the world, people learning about God, they're happening because we're part of the miracle, right? Amen. right. Mm -hmm. One last note from Lydia in Australia, originally from Eastern Europe, she writes and says, I've been following your interactive studying of the Word of God. It has helped me immensely to ease myself into teaching the Bible in my local church. Wonderful. I like that, ease myself, yeah. right? Maybe because, see Stephanie teach, see Travis teach, or see Samuel teach, or Addison, or John, or, and they say, oh, maybe I could do that too. And the answer is? Yes. yes. Absolutely. To ease myself in. Keep blessing people around the world just like God has been blessing my sons, Joshua and Matthew. Mm. Mm. By the way, they're 24 and 22. Wow. wow. Praise God. Amen. Young men and women taking a stand for God. Amen? Amen. Amen. My prayer is that we will all be ready for the blessed and soon appearing of our Savior and Redeemer, Jesus Christ. Amen. Lydia, I want to meet you. <laughs> our team wants to meet you yeah. because God is blessing you to share the gospel message, not just to the ends of the earth, but starting at home, right? Mm, exactly. Thanks for being part of our Hope Sabbath School family. Well, we've got a song. You've learned it already. You know Psalm 9, verses 1 and 2. You sang it while you went for a walk, maybe. I will praise you, O Lord, with what? My whole, My whole heart. And I will tell of what? Your All your marvelous works. We're joining God in His mission. Let's sing our theme song together. while we're singing, I just see your smiles and I realize that even our smile is a witness, isn't it? We can tell people of all God's marvelous works. We can be part of the mission. That's what we're studying together. Let's sing it one more time. 
Looking forward to the study today, Motivation and Preparation for Mission. Thank you for leading us, John. Thank you, Derek. Let's pray as we begin. Loving Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you sent your Son on a mission Amen. to save us. Mm-hmm. And we ask you that as we study about the mission that you have given to us, that you will inspire us with your Holy Spirit, and you will teach us what is the essential preparation needed to complete your work on this earth. Mm. I pray this name of Jesus. Amen. 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 You know, some of us have been to mission trips, and I know that Addison has preached an evangelistic series. How did you prepare to preach an evangelistic series? What are the preparations that went into it? There's a, there's a number of things, but the one thing I remember going into it was taking the time to reflect and to pray, mm-hmm. uh, spending time with God, and just finding a quiet place, not just any place, but a quiet place to reflect and just to, you know, hear his voice and whether that, I usually would find a, there was a lot of trails around my place and so I would go and and just start walking and and, um, quoting scripture and and asking, Lord, what would you have me to do? You know, what what is the outlook for this, for this, um, this series of meetings? And it truly, um, yeah, what a, what a great time. To reflect and mm. to contemplate. Very good. So there's this aspect of mental preparation that mm. went yes. into it, yes. of taking time away from all the busyness to process through what you're going to speak, and also there's the spiritual preparation that went into it. Mm. And I also know that, Glennie, you've been on mission trips, mm. and I know that you've been to the Philippines once. You know, what are the preparations that went into that mission trip before you actually went on the trip? Right. I mean, besides the spiritual aspects, like Addison had just mentioned, we had to raise funds. <laughs> we had to go to different churches, collaborate with, find other people who wanted to help along and spread the word out there. We made our lectures. We had to rehearse our lectures. So get our songs ready, do everything. So there was a lot of work that went behind the scenes. As okay, well. so there's organization, there's right. financial preparation, there's mental preparation and spiritual preparation. So before we do anything with missions, there is the, this aspect of preparation that goes before we do something, mm. before we do something. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, in this world, there are 8 billion people. Mm. And of this 8 billion, around 5 billion have not accepted the gospel of Christ. Or maybe even heard the name of Jesus. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. So that is a big task ahead of us. That is a big mission that God has given us. And, you know, the question comes, how are we going to do this? <laughs> right? How are we going to do this? You know, about the early disciples, uh, the people back then referred to them as those who changed the world upside down. Or actually, they changed the world downside up with the gospel, (laughs) right? You know, how are we going to change the world downside up? You know, what is going to motivate us to bring the gospel to our friends, our family, to our neighbors, and to the whole world? You know, what are the preparations that is essential? Mm. Yes, there is the financial preparation, there is organization, there is mental preparation, but there is an essential preparation that the Bible talks about, Mm. and that is what we're going to study. That's what we're going to study. And our study takes us back in time to the spring of AD 31. It was Sunday morning 
after the death of Jesus. Mm. And so we want to go to that passage, to AD 31, uh, Sunday morning, and that passage is found in Luke chapter 24. Luke 24, and verses 4 through 10. Luke 24, verses 4 through 10. And if I can have Mr. Jason read that for us, but before we go there, uh, reading, we find that Jesus was crucified on the preparation day. He rested on the Sabbath, and it was the first day of the week. Mm-hmm. And then the, we find that the women that had followed Jesus, they had prepared spices before the Sabbath, and then they rested on the Sabbath, and they were going to bring the spices to the tomb to anoint the body of Jesus, mm-hmm. or apply on the body of Jesus. Mm-hmm. But we find that the, uh, that the tomb, or the stone that covered the tomb was rolled away. And so they are in dismay, like, what happened to my Lord? And so that is the situation that we find Sunday morning, early Sunday morning. And let's read what the text says. All right, and I'm reading from the New King James Version, Luke chapter 24, verses 4 through 10. And the Bible says, And it happened, as they were greatly perplexed about this, that, behold, two men stood by them in shiny garments. Then, as they were afraid, and bowed their heads to the earth, then said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? Verse (laughs) 6. He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day risen again. Verse 8. And they remembered his words. Then they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene. Joanne, Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them, who told these things to the apostles. Mm -hmm. And all their words seemed to be like idle tales, and they did not believe them. Mm. Okay, Mm -hmm. thank you, Jason. Mm -hmm. So we find here the women come to the tomb, the stone is rolled away, and so what was, Miss Stephanie, what was the response of these women that come to the tomb the stone is rolled away. They hear this message from the angels. You know, what was their reaction like? They went and told others. That's what comes to my mind is they didn't just keep that news to themselves mm-hmm. from the angels. They went and told someone. Mm-hmm. They went the and told. They, they didn't know what to do. They had, there were different reactions, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them, I mean, where is the body of Christ? And others, he's not there. Maybe he's risen because they remembered that Jesus had prophesied something about his resurrection mm-hmm. because they had forgotten you know, that is why they came to the tomb. Now, uh, let's go back to verse 11. Mm. How did the disciples respond when the woman came back with that news? Mm. Verse 11, if I can have Kailinda, please read that for us. Sure, and I will also read from the New King James Version. Verse 11, And their words seemed to them like idle tales, and they did not believe them. Okay, <laughs> I mean, we're talking about the disciples <laughs> of Christ, and he had told them that he's going to be crucified and that he's going to resurrect on the third day, mm. right? But the Bible here tells us that when the news arrived, they did not, you know, they did not believe that this is happening, right. you know? What are some reasons, Mr. Travis, that they did not believe? Why do you think? Well, they had just went through a traumatic experience. Their, their Lord who they've been with for three and a half mm. years, they watched him, who they thought all-powerful, they watched him heal the mm. sick, and um, the blind could see. He was, they watched the power of God through him. And all of a sudden they saw something which they saw all of a sudden to be weak, 
They didn't understand the gospel in the sense that we do looking, looking back. And they, it just hadn't hit home yet. So, so they were puzzled by what had just happened. I, I think it was a very traumatic experience for, sure. for them to go through what they did. And now to have this happen, it was just a lot of information mm -hmm. uh, and a lot of confusion in their mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they see their friend, their master, being dragged through the cobblestone streets of Jerusalem, carrying the cross, you know, uh, experiencing the whipping and the lashing and being crucified. And I mean, they themselves have denied him too, mm -hmm. right? And so it's taking time for them to recover, and they haven't completely even recovered, you know, from, if I can use the word, Glennie, I know you're in psychology, if I can use the word trauma, if I can say. Mm -hmm. Sam? I think the other reason also is that in that culture, the words of women had no weight. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they were not, mm -hmm. their testimony, you know, even in court setting, was not taken as authentic or authoritative. And so I'm thinking maybe that was also somehow playing into this. Mm -hmm. I'm so glad we have ladies on our Hope Sabbath <laughs> yes. Yeah. Because the first evangelist yep. was, was a lady. Mm -hmm. I just want to speak about the grace of God because I think these women, they came mm -hmm. when the other disciples had run away. <laughs> and they were perplexed, but God saw their heart and he sent two angels. Mm -hmm. And to me, that is the grace of God, John, yes. mm -hmm. that God is not trying to hide from us. Mm -hmm. That if he sees an open heart, He'll send angels to say he's not here, he's risen. Mm. Yeah. So um, I just, I admire these women of God mm. who, who were courageous when mm. a lot of the disciples had run away. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, we find, I know, as I said earlier, there were different reactions of women. You know, some of them, like, they were confused and some of them are thinking, maybe someone stole the body of Jesus. And one such person was Mary Magdalene who went back running and they, she informed the disciples, and she's saying, you know, we don't know what happened to the body of Jesus, but of all the disciples that were there, there were two disciples who had a different reaction. Mm -hmm. You know, let's read about them. Uh, let's go to Luke, actually, uh, yes, Luke chapter 24 and verse 12. If I can have Miss Stephanie read that for us. Sure, I'll be reading from the New King James Version. But Peter arose and ran to the tomb, and stooping down, he saw the linen clothes, lying by themselves, and he departed, marveling to himself at what had happened. Okay, so Dr. Luke is recording that Peter, upon hearing the news, he runs, he sprints to the mm -hmm. tomb, and there he sees that Jesus' body is not there. Instead, his clothes are there. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. Another disciple, uh, that is John the Beloved, and let's read about John the Beloved. If I can have Samuel, uh, please read to us from John chapter 20. Uh, verses 1 to 10. John 21, 1 through 10. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. It says, Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. 
And stooping to look in, he saw the linen clothes lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen clothes lying there, and the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with linen clothes, but folded up in the place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as it, they did not understand the scripture that he must arise from the dead. Mm. Then the disciples went back to their homes. Okay, so we find that two disciples, you know, Peter was an older disciple in age and John was the youngest disciple. And two of them, they sprint. But why do you think that Peter and John, they went to the tomb instead of the other disciples? Why was their reaction different than the other disciples when they heard the news. Sabina? Joe, it seems to me that they had faith, you know, that they, differently than the other apostles, the disciples, they heard it and they trusted that indeed it was possible that something mm -hmm. like that could happen. So they had known Jesus, they had seen Jesus acting and, and creating situations in which even people were resurrected, so why not? So that's the difference between them and the others that I see. They were filled with faith of one who knows Jesus. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Sabrina. Pastor Derek? I actually see a difference between Peter and John also. Right. Peter marveled, John believed. Mm. That's a big difference. <laughs> now, marveled mm. means, I'm, I guess I'm still trying to figure it out, right? right? Mm. But it says, John saw and, and believed. Mm. So, again, back to the grace of God. I'm so thankful that he, he's patient with us and he accepts mm -hmm. us wherever we are on that journey. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mr. Travis? I think we need to remember what happened with Peter just three days prior. Mm -hmm. right. mm -hmm. um, and I can't help but think that the words that Jesus had spoken to him, not only that he would deny him, but then he also told him, when you return to me, go and strengthen your brother. I have to think that those words are, are, are just spinning wildly in Peter's head. First, uh, that he would deny him. He did that. But then he said, when you return to me, I have to think that in his head he's thinking, the only way I can return is if he's here. Mm. Mm. Okay. Uh, you know what I mean? And so he's probably marveling at that. Like, wow, what, what was Jesus saying? And I, I have to think there was so much going on. Man, it, was, it would have been something. But it was certainly the emotions for Peter would have been so much different than that of John. He had just denied his Lord three days right. prior. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Sunday morning, break day, but the disciples were not sleeping in, <laughs> right? Uh, the woman ran to the tomb to anoint Jesus. He wasn't there. And then John and Peter, they go to the tomb. They see that he's not there. And the Bible says that they believe. This was Sunday morning. But let's look at Sunday evening on the first day of the week, what happens. Uh, if I can have Glennie, please read to us from Luke chapter 24, verses 13 to 24. Luke chapter 24, verses 13 to 24. Here we find what happens Sunday evening, the encounter that actually the risen Lord has with two disciples who were not part of the apostles. Mm -hmm. Okay, These were uh, disciples of Jesus, but they were not apostles. And they had come to Jerusalem uh, for the Passover. And that's when they heard the news. Yes. And I'll be reading from the New King James Version. And it says, Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, 
which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. Mm. But their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. And he said to them, What kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem and have you not known the things which happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? <laughs> so they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty indeed and word before God and all the people and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, a certain woman of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but him they did not see. Okay, so thank you, Glennie. Mm -hmm. Two disciples walking towards Emmaus, a small village a few miles from Jerusalem. And they're discussing about what's been happening this past weekend. Mm -hmm. And a stranger, <laughs> it's amazing how God has a sense <laughs> of humor, a stranger walks <laughs> along with them and they're like, he's asking like, so what are you discussing about? <laughs> and, and they describe, and they're like, you know, have you not you know, seen the news flash this morning? Have you not read the front page of the newspaper this morning? Where have you been? And then they begin to tell what had happened to Jesus. What had happened to Jesus. You know, why were these disciples so slow to believe that Jesus, uh, believe the truths that Jesus had told them before? Mm. Yes, Kalinda. Because it was impossible. Mm. I mean, how often do I like read the Bible and it says, you know, God is with us. I see the stories of how he's helped other people in the past and then small problem comes and I'm like, well, where are you, God? Or can you actually do this? I mean, to believe that someone could be raised from the dead. I mean, after they had witnessed such a horrible death, I think trauma, I think surprise, I think it's impossible. I think there was a lot of emotions and thoughts that kind of darkened the mind for being truly receptive to the miracle that was going on. That's right. They had a similar experience to that of uh, Christ's followers or disciples Samuel and then Mr. Travis. I think uh, their faith has, faith has not grown to that level mm -hmm. where now they're able to believe the supernatural. You know, even though they have seen mm -hmm. all the miracles, you know, even though they, have, they themselves have seen Jesus raise people from the dead, they are still slow to believe mm -hmm. that Jesus himself raised from the dead. And mm -hmm. so I think, you know, their faith needed a little more work. That's why, you know, Christ was coming to them through various ways, even after his resurrection, to show them. So I think we're given a little insight um, in verse 25. And it says, O foolish to, to believe, mm -hmm. um, O foolish of heart and slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Yes. It seems as if Jesus is letting them know there was sufficient evidence there mm -hmm. and um, you had set it aside. 
And that could be saying, I read this just probably a year ago and it just resonated with me that God mm -hmm. has given us counsel and we need to listen to all the counsel, not just pick specific little parts here and there, mm -hmm. because it's all of the counsel that, of God that leads us into faith. In, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So we just don't pick and choose. And it seems like there was some picking and choosing what they wanted to believe. Mm -hmm. And that's right. I mean, this the one author writes that uh, they were even questioning if this was actually the Messiah, <laughs> you see. And, and let's actually go to the passage that you just referred to. And what was the response of Jesus? If I can have Lilica, please read to us uh, Luke chapter 24, verses 25 to 27. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. Luke 24, verse 25. Then he said to them, all foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he exposed to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Okay, so Jesus now gently rebukes them. Actually, even strongly rebukes them. <laughs> now, oh foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. And so what was the response of Jesus when they were expressing unbelief? What did Jesus do, Addison and Samuel? I love this story because, you know, to answer their, their questions and their concerns and, and their doubts after this, you know, emotional trauma that they've been through, witnessing trauma, mm. um, Jesus is like, here, I'm going to give you a Bible study. Mm. <laughs> Beginning at Moses and all the prophets, mm. he expounds unto them the things concerning himself. Mm. Wonderful. Yeah, I think that's really important, John. It, it was a rebuke, foolish, slow of heart, but he didn't just walk away. Oh, right? That's grace too, isn't it? Mm -hmm. yeah. let, let me remind you, now I don't think he had armfuls of scrolls, so again, <laughs> we need to hide God's Word in our hearts, mm -hmm. so the Holy Spirit brings that Word to our remembrance, John 14, 26, mm -hmm. and we go, oh, that's exactly what the Word of God told me. Mm -hmm. But uh, I see His grace in taking them to their Bible study, to the place where they say our hearts were burning within us, <laughs> you know, as he talked with us, by the way. That's, to me, the grace of Jesus again. Mm -hmm. So Jesus sees unbelief, but he doesn't give up on them. No. Instead, he helps their unbelief. Mm -hmm. Samuel? And, you know, the Bible talks about how faith comes by hearing the word of God. Mm. And, you know, to, uh, he says, you know, you're slow of heart to believe. Therefore, you know, I'm going to help you in your faith, and God gives, uh, Jesus himself gives them the Bible study, and he interprets right. the scriptures. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it also shows the importance of redirecting people back mm -hmm. to the Word. It's easy to bring our own philosophies, and yeah, it's important to share our testimonies and experiences, but like Pas uh, Pastor Morris had mentioned, uh, the importance of storing Word in our hearts, mm -hmm. His Word in our hearts, so we can redirect them to the source of truth and remind them, mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. this is right. what yeah. God has You know, how easy could, that, could it have been for Jesus to just show his, you know, hands and his feet? Mm. Right. Mm. Right. But instead, he points them to the Word. Amen. Yeah. You know, that shows the importance of the Word that mm -hmm. God places or Jesus placed when he was on this earth. Yes. I think there's something super, super important to remind uh, uh, here in this story, and that is the... Jesus is giving them a Bible study about himself. It's very easy to forget that what we know or, th or the book or this, this Bible is a story about Jesus. Right. Everything that we, we read and study and know, it's about Jesus. And I think if we're to prepare properly for a mission, 
It's not just literary knowledge, words on paper. Right. It's a story about a loving Savior who gave himself for us. Exactly. And that's the biggest preparation, I think, before you go out and, um, and involve yourself in missions. And not just the biggest, the essential preparation. <laughs> yeah. right? Right? Yes, Sabina. And going back to Derek's point on God's grace and how it's seen here, I also think it's outstanding that of all people, you know, that Jesus knew all the disciples, that he chooses to connect with these individuals who were not really believing that he could resurrect. Right. So he, the Bible says that they were walking along this, um, this path to Emmaus. And then Jesus shows up in a conversation to inquire them, like, well, what are you talking about? And Jesus knew already they were talking about him, <laughs> but in disbelief. So I also think that's outstanding that he, he found his way to encounter them in this path and to meet people who were suffering mm -hmm. or who were uh, struggling to believe. Mm -hmm. right. You know, mm -hmm. what are the contents of his Bible study? Yes, Jesus did give a Bible study, but... What was the contents of his Bible study? What was the outline, if I can say, of his Bible study? <laughs> and another question, John, would be, why didn't the Holy Spirit reveal to Dr. Luke to write all of that down? And I, I think the answer is, he wants us to go back <laughs> to the scriptures and study and experience that personal encounter <laughs> that, that you talked about. And, and that's work. That's like the kind of work of raising funds and getting your passport, right? It right. takes time and energy, but to go on mission without that is to be totally unprepared. That's mm. right, that's right. Mm. So he actually, yes, Glenn. Yeah, but to answer your question, he was basically talking about this birth, life, death, resurrection. And, mm -hmm. and he went back to the Old Testament, right, right? Yeah. to Moses. Yeah and the prophets to show, okay, these are the different prophecies, and this mm. is how he was going to fulfill. Mm -hmm. You know, one Bible scholar writes that there are over 500 prophecies in the Bible, and 300 of them are about one person, Jesus Christ, and 20 of them were fulfilled in a single weekend. Mm. Wow. Mm. Okay, and let's look at some of those, uh, some samples of those prophecies. Now, what are some prophecies that come to your mind uh, that Jesus could have gone to? Yes, Samuel. I think for me, one of my favorite portions that talks about the life of Jesus is Isaiah 53. Mm -hmm. That whole chapter talks about how Jesus would come, he would bear our sins and he would mm -hmm. die like a lamb led to a slaughter. That chapter is just amazing and I'm, I'm sure Jesus wouldn't skip that portion to them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. For sure, for sure. Well, he also must have uh, talked about the prophecy of his birthplace. Mm. If I can have hope, uh, please read to us from Micah chapter 5 and verse 2. Micah chapter 5 and verse 2. Micah 5, 2, and I'll be reading from the New King James Version. But you, Bethlehem, and Prophetah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. Okay, so we here find that the birthplace was G of Jesus was given years in advance before he could fulfill. And let's read one more uh, prophecy that he could have used. Uh, let's go to uh, Psalm chapter 22. If I can have Lilika, please read that for us. Psalm 22, verse 1 and verses 16 to 18. We find another prophecy here. That the book of Psalms uh, has a messianic prophecy. 
and it points forward to the Messiah who was to come. Mm. And there we find uh, how Jesus was going to fulfill from the standpoint of David. Uh, Psalm 21, verse 1. Uh, 22, verse 22, 1. verse and 1. Verses 16 through 18. Okay. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. My God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me and from the words of my groaning? Verse 16. For dogs have surrounded me. The congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. Mm. I can count all my bones. They look and stare at me. They divide my garments among them and for my clothing. They cast lots. Okay. In one single passage, we have at least two to three prophecies about the Messiah. Mm. I think it's really important, just impress me, John, that a lot mm. of, you know, modern theologians say there's no such thing as prophecy. Mm. You can't tell what's going to happen in the future. But Jesus believed those prophecies, mm. and He showed them. And, and to me, that's just a tremendous reaffirmation because we have prophecies that Jesus also gives about His return in glory. Mm-hmm. Yes. That Jesus believed mm-hmm. uh, that the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit could give revelation of things happening in the future. Mm-hmm. And He believed those prophecies mm-hmm. and showed them to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, prophecies tell us that the Bible is a divine book. Mm-hmm. And then Christ, having to fulfill those prophecies, shows that Christ is a divine person. Mm-hmm. Amen. You know, mm-hmm. Christ is divine. And he is the eternal son of God who became man. Yes, Travis. I just want to build on what Derek said. We also have prophecies that there will be redeemed people from every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, (laughs) which encourages us to go forward on our mission. That's the point. Mm -hmm. So uh, if that is a prophecy, prophecy, and it will come true. Amen. Okay. So now let's go back uh, to the disciples. You know, we find that the people that were walking on the way to Emmaus, you know, after, uh, you know, they tell that, you know, didn't our hearts burn when he gave that Bible study? Mm. And soon they discovered eventually that it was Jesus Christ mm. and he went away. But Jesus appears to his disciples mm-hmm. and let's see what Bible study he gives to them. Uh, Luke chapter 24, verses 44 to 45. If I can have Mr. Addison, please read that for us. And I'm reading from the King James Version. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. Okay, so Jesus does the same thing. There is no difference on his method. He appears to his disciples. He shows them from the law, the prophets, and the Psalms that he is the Messiah. And so Jesus had a prophetic message, but that prophetic message was not just fascination as to, okay, this is the prophecy and here's the fulfillment. Mm. That prophetic message pointed to the Messiah. Amen. You know, mm. that is the goal of prophecy. Mm-hmm. That is the goal of prophecy. And so we need the Old Testament to tell us who the Messiah is. We need the New Testament to tell us who the Messiah is, mm. right? Mm. We need all of Scripture. Mm. And so, you know, why is a personal encounter with Jesus and His Word an essential element for preparation for mission? Yes. I was thinking about the title of this lesson. There's the preparation and motivation. 
So as you had alluded to, you can prepare by knowing all the theology, mm -hmm. but unless you have a relationship, right. you won't have any motivation mm -hmm. to move forward. That's right. Mm -hmm. Our motivation is Christ, right? Yes. And I'll take Leah. I think it's so imperative when we go to share the gospel with others that we spend time in the presence of God, because here are these disciples in the presence of God, and he gives them this greater understanding. So I wonder how much more insight we would have into the will of God if we spent more time with him mm. instead of worrying about kind of the human side of preparation, more of the spiritual side of preparation and really zoning in to him and his will and how he can guide us and give us that greater understanding like he had revealed to the disciples here. That's Amen. right. Thank you. And I'll take mm. uh, Sabina. Also, Joan, we need to bear in mind, what is it that this mission looks like? What is that mission primarily about, right? And I'm reminded of Jesus' words, right, before he, he went to, to be crucified, which was sending them to make disciples. Mm -hmm. So what, how can one make disciple if he or she is not a disciple themselves of Jesus, mm -hmm. right? If they have not themselves built a relationship with God enough that right. when they are interacting with others, not only they can teach head knowledge or maybe even show in scripture or prophecy, mm -hmm. but that they can share life mm -hmm. uh, and a life that is changed and transformed by Jesus. So mm -hmm. one can only be propelled to go and share once they have experienced that of their own life. So I think that's very key and important. If you have not yet developed that, with Jesus, it's the first thing you need to do before you engage in missions so that you can be a discipler yourself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thank you Amen. for that. Mm -hmm. You need to be a disciple to be a disciple maker. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, message precedes mission. Right. Mm -hmm. The message of Christ has to affect our lives. Mm -hmm. And we need to have a basic understanding of that message. And only then, or rather, that is the only motivation and the essential preparation for mission. Mm -hmm. you, know? you know, a message without mission, or rather, mission without message has no foundation. Right. Mm -hmm. you know? And then, mission without message, or rather, message without mission has no foundation, and mission without message has no aim. Mm -hmm. you know? mm -hmm. Only our understanding of the message will drive us to mission or should drive us to mission. Right. Right. And so there is that fine balance. Yes, Samuel. I think, you know, when you look at, say, a physician, mm. you know, they spend hours and hours studying their books, practicing before they go out and do their work. Similar way, you know, we, if we don't spend time in the Word of God, if we don't spend time praying to God, what are we going to go and say? In fact, instead of aiding in the mission of God, we'll be harming the mission of God when we don't spend time with God. Mm -hmm. Powerful. Well, let's move on and let, let's now see this gospel commission that Jesus gives to his disciples, okay? You know, he tells them that, he shows them from the prophets, uh, prophets and the law and the Old Testament that, you know, I am the Messiah, I am risen, and which means he is also divine, right? And after he does that, he gives them the commission. Let's go to uh, Luke chapter 24, verses 46 through 49. If I can have Miss Stephanie read that for us. Please. Sure, and I'll be reading from the New King James Version. Then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem, and you are witnesses of these things. Hmm. Behold, I send the promise of my Father unto you, upon you, 
but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Okay. I mean, so we find here that Jesus gives a Bible study and then he tells, you know, because of all these prophecies that have been fulfilled in me, I am the Messiah. I'm able to forgive. Mm. I'm able to save you. And having that understanding, go and be my witness. Mm. Right? But before they go and be his witness, what were they to do? Yes, Lilika. I don't know if I'm going to answer your question, but I was just thinking, had not Jesus had this encounter with uh, uh, his disciples, had not the angels told the women that it must be this way, there would be no gospel, mm. uh, uh, the spreading of, the, there would be no mission. They had a personal encounter, as you asked in the first, uh, the previous question. It's important for us to meet Jesus one by one mm -hmm. and have that uh, um, living connection, a true relationship with Him. Mm -hmm. And later on, we, uh, the second thing, we have to know the Word of God. And this is where Jesus is telling them, hey, the Word that you knew, let me explain that to you. Mm -hmm. And only them, they are going mm -hmm. forward to. Okay, so a basic understanding of the Word and an encounter with Jesus are some elements are of essential preparation for mission. Yes, Mr. Travis. So you, you asked the question, what did the disciples do? Well, they went and waited for the promise of the Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. uh, waiting for and believed that they would get it. And of course, they did receive it. Mm -hmm. But they went and prayed and, and um, spent time mm -hmm. um, getting connected to the Messiah. That's right. Mm -hmm. I, let's actually read that verse. And Pastor Derek, you have a comment. You know, I often that. wondered, uh, John, why the day of Pentecost was so dramatic, tongues of fire, mighty wind, because down through the ages, God has poured out His Spirit uh, on men and women w without all of that dramatic revelation. In fact, mm. even, uh, even when Jesus was anointed at His baptism, the dove descended, but there were no tongues of fire and mighty wind. And I think the answer, as I thought about that, because someone might say, well, I don't think I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. But the Bible says the Holy Spirit is given to those who ask, right? Mm -hmm. In Jesus' name. But I think the answer is in what we just read. They were told to wait mm -hmm. until it happened. So the answer is, well, how would they know? Mm -hmm. And so again, here, John, is the grace of God <laughs> that he says, I'm going to make it very clear to you when that outpouring of the Holy Spirit happens. Mm -hmm. There's going to be something that I don't think after what happened in Acts 2, they said, did something supernatural just happen? It was so clear. They spoke in other tongues that they had not learned, right? And so, again, God is so good when our heart is open that He will make the way very clear before yes. our feet. Mm. Mm. That's right. Let's go to uh, Acts chapter 1, and let's see what were they doing as they were waiting for the coming of the Holy Spirit. If I can have Samuel read that for us. Acts chapter 1 uh, and verses 12 to 14. And I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. It says, Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying, Peter and John and James and Andrew and Philip and Thomas and Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon the Zealot, 
and Judas the son of James. All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and his brothers. Okay, so what were they doing here? What is another aspect of essential preparation that we find in this passage? Prayer. 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 Mm -hmm. Prayer. Yes, uh, hope. I think um, ultimately the thing that paves the way for the Holy Spirit to be poured out on us is prayer, like we were saying. When we come together and we pray for the Holy Spirit, that is when, because like, God says, you have not because you ask not. The reason we don't mm. have the Holy Spirit is because we're not asking for it. He wants to give it to us. He's just waiting for us to ask. Amen. Amen. Mm. Thank you. You know, we read that text, John, and just like Mary and his brothers were there, but actually, I think another aspect was forgiveness mm. and acceptance, mm. because those brothers had oh, yeah. not believed in Jesus <laughs> the whole time. They, they tried to tell him what to do, and they didn't believe who he was. Mm. But again, there's the grace and mercy mm -hmm. that, that, that God didn't give up on the, these are stepbrothers of Jesus, right? He didn't give up on them, and, and, and neither did the disciples. Part, part of preparing for the anointing is letting go of our prejudices, right. letting go of our negative mm -hmm. feelings, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And just yep. saying, yeah, exactly. God showed mercy on me, <laughs> Peter, right. for example. I need to show grace and mercy to these brothers right. who've mm -hmm. come to faith. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So there's that spirit of unity, Right? Community uh, and prayer together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, I've always seen in my own personal life that the kind of sermons I preach is very much related to the experience that I have with Jesus. Amen. You know, a shallow experience with Jesus, I've noticed, gives a very shallow message. Mm. Very shallow message. But a deep experience with Jesus, we can have very powerful, uh, not just sermons, but a mission right. or a ministry. Right. Glenny and then Samuel. And also, I mean, like Pastor Morris had mentioned, that they were in one accord, but you see their attitude was so, such in contrast mm. with how they were at the Last Supper, mm. like all just against each other. But in this case, affliction had caused unity. Mm. And that's what brought them, oddly, mm -hmm. brought them together and in one spirit and made their hearts ready to receive the Holy mm -hmm. Spirit. Sammy? And you know, just going off of that, before they were fighting for the highest place. <laughs> and then now, you know, they come together and they're with one accord, devoting themselves mm. in prayer. I think it just speaks to me this important lesson that before God can work through us, before the Holy Spirit can work through us, He must work in us. Mm. Mm. That's mm. the essential preparation. Mm. Mm. Sabina? In going with what they were just sharing, and um, you know, God's mission is not to be accomplished by uh, a lone wolf, a person that moves alone. <laughs> they ultimately they need to cooperate with others. You know, the Bible says that we are part of the body of Christ, and that's a body that needs to move together. So I see here that they, first of all, they needed to be in fellowship. So they had to come together so that they could be launched in that purpose. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. So we've looked at a few elements of essential preparation and we look at one more element before we see the actual mission that they accomplished. Mm -hmm. Okay. The first one is they had a basic understanding of the message. Mm -hmm. Second, they had an encounter with Jesus. Right. And third, can anyone, someone guess? The Holy Spirit. The power. They prayed. Mm -hmm. They prayed. They spent time in prayer. 
and fourth, you know, they spend time with one another right. in getting things right, right. getting things right. And the then they were anointed with the Holy Spirit <laughs> yes. because right. without that yeah. power of the Holy Spirit, Mm. The mission would not be accomplished right. as, mm. as God would have it. Mm -hmm. And that's precisely where we want to go next. Uh, in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, if I can have Kylinda please read that for us. And I'll read from the New King James Version. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then they appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Okay, mm -hmm. so you find two things here. One, they were anointed with the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Second, the Holy Spirit gave them a spiritual gift, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. of speaking tongues. Mm -hmm. So it's also important to be anointed by the Holy Spirit, which comes through prayer, Bible study, and an encounter with Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. But the Holy Spirit also shows us what are our strengths, what are our weaknesses, mm -hmm. and knowing those things will help us accomplish the mission effectively. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what are the different elements for essential preparation? First, a basic understanding of the message of scriptures. Mm -hmm. Second, a personal encounter with Jesus, mm -hmm. where it's not just a head knowledge, but a heart submission to Jesus. Mm -hmm. Third, we find a life of prayer. You know, fourth, anointing of the Holy Spirit, and fifth, getting things right with one another, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And then sixth, identifying our spiritual gift, mm -hmm. identifying our spiritual gifts. Mm -hmm. Any comments that you have to contribute to this? And I think, uh, John, God, God gives gifts that we didn't have. Mm -hmm. uh, Peter was a fisherman, but, and he was kind of a cowardly mm -hmm. person mm -hmm. a, a few days before, and now day of Pentecost, he's preaching, there's no other name, you know. It's, to me, it's a wonderful thing that we will go way beyond what we could possibly do mm -hmm. when we're filled with the Holy mm -hmm. Spirit and focused on the mission. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, let's, Mr. Jason. Oh, yeah. So, I saw in the text that it said prayer and supplication. I always thought those two were the same. Mm -hmm. But when I looked up supplication, it's more of a sincerity. So, it really is true and dear to have that sincere relationship mm -hmm. with God through Christ and also with each other as we go with the mission. That's right. Amen. That's right. So, we find that they have had this preparation, but let's see the result of their mission. Okay. Mm -hmm. Peter actually preaches a prophetic sermon that points to Jesus. Right. Okay, that sounds familiar because that is exactly what Jesus did for the disciples. Yeah. Okay, we can only do for others what Christ has done for us. Amen. And so he preaches a prophetic message. What was the reaction of uh, the hearers? Addison, if you can read for us from Acts chapter 2, verses 36 and 37. And I'm reading from the King James. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom you have crucified both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Okay, so a powerful sermon, conviction takes hold, mm -hmm. even their hearts burned, right? Mm -hmm. A similar effect. Now what was the answer? Uh, if I can have Samuel read for us from verses 38 to 40. And I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. 
And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, mm. for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Mm. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourself from this crooked generation. Mm. Okay. Mm. So we find here that a mission is accomplished because he preaches a prophetic sermon and they're prepared to do that and they accept Jesus. Yeah. And the Bible ends by saying, or that chapter ends by saying, mm -hmm. so those who received his word were baptized and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. Praise Amen. 3,000 mm -hmm. souls. Hallelujah. Mm -hmm. And it is our prayer that we will be prepared that we can be effective in our mission. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Yes, thank you so much, John. Thank you for joining us for Hope Sabbath School today. It ends in that chapter by saying the Lord was adding daily to the church those who were being saved. And it's the Lord's work. It's His mission, but He invites us to join Him in that mission. And I believe we'll find joy and maybe stay closer to Jesus than we ever could if we were not joining Him in His mission. I want to challenge you today. It may be an act of kindness, of reaching out to a neighbor. It may be preaching a sermon, but it may also be helping someone in need to let the love of Jesus flow through you, that his mission would be accomplished through you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you that you invite us to prepare and to find true motivation through a living relationship with Jesus. May lives be blessed. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us for Hope Sabbath School. You say, Derek, where do we go from here? And the answer is you go wherever the Holy Spirit leads you to go in that personal relationship with Jesus, using the gifts he gives you. My friend, go out in Jesus' name and be a blessing to those around you.